Three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Afternoon Tune. I'm your host, Josh, and with me are my two co-hosts. It's your boy, Chase. And it's your boy, Nick. Uh, and today, we got a nice packed show. Uh, going to discuss uh, some three movies. Going to discuss Wolfwalkers. Uh, going to discuss Sylvia's Love, uh, starring Tessa Thompson. Uh, going to discuss Promising Young Woman, starring Carrie Mulligan. Um, as well as discuss uh, recently dropped Cobra Kai Season 3. Um, and we're also going to discuss our best of of 2020, uh, best films of 2020. Uh, so, how's everybody been doing? How was your New Year's? Like that. Great. Can't complain. New Year, new look for the whole podcast. <laughs> uh, you can see our faces now, which upgrade if I say so myself. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, just drink some champagne. How about you? I uh, took my girl to uh, Akita, Japan. Uh, we did some uh, snowboarding there. Uh, it was my first time and no broken bones, so I just gotta give a real quick suck it to my sister, who uh, <laughs> broke her wrist the first time she ever tried it. Yeah, I saw, I saw you posting some good pictures, uh, holiday and snowboarding, things like that. Uh, yeah, it was looked pretty nice, it looked pretty cool. Um, how much was that to do all that? Um, all in all, it cost around like uh, 300 American. It was like a 150 to rent all the equipment for me, and then another 150 for like a two and a half hour like intro lesson and uh, the lift pass for the whole day. Okay. Half oh, a so. stimmy. Not bad. Not bad. Half, half a stimmy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just got mine. Just got my stimulus check uh, hey. yesterday. Hashtag. <laughs> It, uh, it's it ain't much fucking mitch mcconnell yeah um fucking but mitch I, mcconnell I paid, <laughs> but i paid off some uh some credit cards with it things like that some purchases yeah, i made so uh yeah, and then okay. i put uh put like a hundred in the bank uh at the savings so yeah so shout out to all my college kids recently graduated college kids that didn't get a stimmy it's like me <laughs> your parents really uh, screwed you over this time blaming <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you as a dependent yeah. but the parents they got like 600 for each kid though right so no not if you're uh, an adult oh not if you're an adult yeah. oh okay yeah. oh okay oh well that's stupid that's really uh, <laughs> we don't matter yeah I guess not um so yeah so uh, you know hopefully you know they'll do 2000 um checks hopefully maybe you know cross fingers you know um all right so let's get into our first review of the day we're going to discuss sylvia's love uh, which is starring tessa thompson uh it's an amazon prime film uh me and chase saw it nick did you see it um i I was so busy this week, I unfortunately couldn't uh, couldn't get the Sylvie's love. But, uh, okay. Uh, much. Uh, so it's a, it's a simple story. Um, here you have Tessa Thompson, who plays the titular character, uh, Sylvia. Uh, it's set in 1950s Harlem. Um, she meets a saxophonist uh, named Robert Holloway, um, and they start a romantic relationship. Um, that's basically the bare bones of it. Um, you know, really... 
you know, nothing too, you know, nothing too crazy. Um, I would say, I would say, uh, love the setting of it. Um, love the look of it. Um, I think the costume design really nice. Uh, Tessa Thompson, absolutely gorgeous. Uh, makeup, hair, um, you know, uh, really good. Uh, the guy, really handsome guy. Uh, the guy who plays uh, the main love interest is uh, Nadim um, Osoga. Uh, Osomaga. Um, you know, he's he's pretty solid. Um, I think that, I mean, what was kind of throwing me off was he looked a lot like Russell Westbrook. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, wow, this guy looks a lot like Russell Westbrook, who's the, who's the basketball player. Uh, right now, he plays for the Washington Wizards right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I was like, wow, this guy looks a lot like him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's the former uh, athlete himself. He was a former uh, football player. Played for the uh, Oakland Raiders. Um, so, so yeah, so that was, that was something there. Uh, so, you know, in the movie, you kind of... I mean, you can do kind of a, a simple kind of bare bones type love story and it work. And I would one thing I did appreciate was that this isn't, you know, because typically when you have black couples, you'll have maybe the black struggle love type stuff. And I don't think yeah. there's none of that here, um, especially it, it being set in the 50s. You could have so easily done it where you could have done, you could have brought this big, huge, you know, racial element into it. Yeah. Uh, and they in didn't do that. Yeah, in New York. Yeah. Um, which they didn't do that at all, um, which I do kind of like. I do kind of like them, you know, veering away from things like that. Um, I do, so I do appreciate that. Um, I just feel like this is not really much there to hold my interest. Um, yeah. You know, these two people, they meet, um, you know, they're instantly attracted to each other, but, you know, she has a fiance. Um, doesn't really seem like there's much of a tug and pull with her and the fiance because it doesn't really seem like she's that much into the fiance herself. So it's not really much of like, oh, you know, is she going to choose the fiance? Is she going to choose him? And like, this is not really, I don't think much of their a tug and pull there that much. Um, I think you can basically know where the story is going to go as soon as you watch it, which can't, you know, always be a bad thing. It just depends on how you get there. Yeah. Uh, um, so you know, uh, Chase, you know, what did you feel about watching it and everything like that? Well, it's just down bad the movie. I'm not gonna lie. I wanted to like this movie because the the aesthetic is beautiful. Like just to see a black couple in love and nobody's dying, nobody's being ratchet. Well, I mean, debatable. There's some ratchet moments. (laughs) There's this sort of ratchet situation that they kind of just brush over, but that's spoilers. Um, And it's nice to see a black couple that are striving for their goals and stuff like that, but it's just that there's no conflict. Like, like, the sole antagonistic force that could have been, you know, kind of like where begin a root for this couple is off at war for most of the movie <laughs> so it's kind of just like all right there's this absence there's this absence of, a, of an antagonist or force that kind of like wills these two together um, so it kind of just feels like for most of the movie she's just just straight cheating on the um <laughs> which you know is why i call it down bad the movie because like my man out 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 of, out of the war is getting cheated on, cheated on, cheated on, and we don't even know like 
we wouldn't even know if he's a douchebag, whether or not he they're like they were like an arranged marriage or anything. We don't get any context for like how they even got together. Right. Um, and the little bit that we do get is all the way towards the end of the movie, and he's not even that bad of a guy. Like he's 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 inconsiderate. Don't get me wrong. He's a douche. He does have a stick up his ass. There's yeah. nothing really about him that makes me want uh, a couple to get together. And right. like, I really feel weird about old boy Robert because the second like the second he sees her, they, they're they're going in the or he's going into the record store, right? He meets her for the mm. first time, and like right off the bat, she's like, hey. I got a fiance and he's just like you could hear like if you listen to it very close you could hear his zipper untie unzip like he's just like <laughs> he's just like into it like immediately like yo I'm a bag this girl who has a fiance for the summer call it a, uh, call it a night <laughs> and you know and with her it's kind of just like uh she doesn't give too much about what's wrong with the fiance so she doesn't really give you much of a reason to root for her in this relationship she's just kind of just like all right yeah no i really shouldn't but then like they talk for like maybe a second later and they're back together you know yeah but that's another thing i have an issue with there's like zero repercussions for any of this any of this and there's some stuff that they tackle in this movie that should have repercussions but they don't (laughs) Yeah. It's just brushed um, to the side. It, it just doesn't feel like it has stakes at yeah. all. You know, and like with a good romantic story, sometimes you have to have a couple overcome something or mm-hmm. there's like a big hurdle there. I mean, the closest they kind of get to it is like, you know, because he's a jazz musician um, and it's been a, you know, and the whole thing, he has to leave. He's got a gig in Paris and he has to leave for two years. So there's that whole thing and he returns um and they kind of you know but you know she she was already had a fiance already so it's not like you know what i mean like well i mean you can make that decision yourself if you want to wait for him or break up with your fiance i mean mm-hmm. and wait for him to come back um but i mean him coming back uh you know they rekindle very quickly you know and everything like that so that's not a big hurdle for them to you know for him gone that 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 time um, and like you said, with her fiance, it's like he is inconsiderate because, you know, she wants to pursue a career uh, in television, be a producer, uh, you know, make TV shows herself. Uh, you know, she she because that's kind of her future. And he's like, no, just stay at home, be a housewife, you know, typical, you know, just be a typical 1950s type woman. But she has goals and everything like that. Um, goals that, you know, uh, the, her main love interest, Robert, you know, it would let her pursue. Um, and you know, you know, towards you know, towards the end of the movie, like you said, I mean, even though her fiance is a little inconsiderate, I mean, he's not like outright a bad guy. So it's like, okay, well, why does she end up with this guy, and and does she even love this guy? I mean, that was kind of in question the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that would have been nice to have some more backstory to that. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it just like I said, I appreciate the movie. For doing this, for showing a black couple in love like this, um, I think that, like I said, beautiful setting, 
um really nicely done especially like when they do the jazz scenes those are really nice yeah. they do another musical scene which with, with uh, evil angoria in here that was really nice um good performances um i would say the main love interest guy robert um he's okay he's a little stiff i think he's bland in, yeah toast I, eric i mean he's <laughs> it's, it's a typical kind of romantic trope of the dude's a musician and yeah you know that type of stuff and he's got to leave for his music and his music is what he's really passionate about and you know she's passionate about this and you yeah. know so, so, so. His, his entire personality is i play the sax <laughs> pretty much you know and i think yeah i think he's pretty bland um a movie similar to this that it reminded me of that had kind of a simple kind of premise but i think there was enough going on to make it interesting was brooklyn uh, and mm. Brooklyn was a movie from 2015 and it was starring Cersei Ronan and the whole thing with that movie was, was she was like this girl from Ireland and she came from Ireland to New York and she was so homesick she would actually like cry all the time and do all this other stuff but she met this guy in New York this Italian guy and she you know they had this great chemistry and they were really working well together and so you really want to see them end up together but this whole thing, she has to go back to Ireland to visit her family. I forgot exactly what reason why. I think her, her maybe her mother's sick or something. Um, and then there's another guy in Ireland, played by Dom Hill uh, Gleason. And it's this whole thing of like, okay, does she stay in Ireland to be with him, or does she go back to New York to be with the other guy? I mean, here in Ireland, this is where her family is, you know. And but does she want to start this new life with this other guy? So there's a nice bit of drama there that allows you to go like oh man who's she gonna pick mm -hmm. and oh I, I really like her with this guy but then you know i think her and the other guy you know maybe they got a better future you know her being in her home country so there's a little bit there to, to make you invested um and i wasn't crazy about the film I, I liked it fine i know a lot of people back when it came out loved it i think it was even nominated for best picture when it came out um but i i thought it was a solid film um, this one needed something to, to really get you invested, to, to really have your attention, the drama of it. And this is, for me, I just don't think it did that. Uh, but I appreciate like all the elements like I listed before. Um, and I would give it, uh, for me, I'd give it a, I think six and a half out of 10, somewhere around there. Well, what about you? I didn't expect to be the bad guy on this one, but um, so. Let's start. Let's start off with the things I do like again. Um, I love look like I, I love the opening shot too. Like when they're establishing New York, get to see just how like like the grainy footage of like how old old 1950s New York looked. That was beautiful. But that was well done. Costumes beautiful. Soundtrack phenomenal. There's like certain moments where I was like hearing either some Jackie Wilson or some like Astrid Galberto and I was kind of just like you know in that meme from uh, Once Upon a Time where I was just like oh that's the song I like like you know but like it's right. just kind of like there's just no emotion and no stakes behind this movie but you know I do want to preference that we are two meatheads that love Marvel and love action stuff like that so I have noticed a bit that the streets have told me that this movie's phenomenal. And right. that, you know, uh, for people who love romantic movies from like the 1950s, maybe this is for you. But for me, this is a right. four. There's just nothing about wow. it that's really like, damn, like that. There's just, like I wanted to give it a five, but it's just not, I don't think it's well written. 
like the characters their arcs aren't really that that good there's nothing really about this film that says anything different about love or anything um it's just very very well done mid and we talked about it earlier like i was just trying to find like a good like food analogy for it um because it like looks beautiful but there's just nothing inside it's very mm. hollow <laughs> yeah. because i looked at a lot of reviews and a lot of people a lot of people love it they remark on how like it, it's a throwback to old romantic stories you know the setting of the 1950s you know like that's what a lot of people love about it and they, that's what they mostly remark about it when talking about the film and love the film like if you are a fan of classic romantic love stories you'll love this and i was like oh well i mean you know i, I guess i'm not i guess i don't know yeah <laughs> you know what i mean i guess it's not for me i guess i'm not um looks great though looks nice looking film and everything um love would love to see more films like this sure um just just be more interesting uh for me yeah have a conflict uh, yeah <laughs> Um, all right, so moving on from discussing Sylvia's love, uh, we're going to discuss uh, Promising Young Woman. Uh, Promising Young Woman uh, starring Carrie Mulligan. Um, here, uh, so me and Nick saw the movie and Chase didn't see the movie, right? Nah, I, I couldn't see it. Okay, so it's going to be a me and Nick review here. Um, so the whole simple premise of this one. So you have a young woman traumatized by a tragic tragic event in her past and seeks out basically vengeance against uh, specifically in this one men uh, because the experience that happened to her uh, was an experience that probably a lot of women can relate to. It was an experience that happened in college uh, regarding, uh, I would say, I wouldn't say it was date rape, was it? Was it just kind of... Uh, just regular rape right it was a situation it, it like was, at a park it, it was absolutely a sexual assault and the movie does a really good job of uh of keeping that mystery until uh until like towards the end of the movie where you find out what actually happened yeah and um, and why it's so traumatizing and it's not so much specifically men it's more uh the quote-unquote nice guys the guys who will uh who pretend to be nice, pretend to care about women, but will also not hesitate to rape them when they're passed out. You know, yeah. Um, and how, you know, they they kind of go on living their lives. You know, they did this traumatic thing. And, uh, you know, with the person who it happened to, I mean, it stays with them forever. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it, it basically derails their whole life. Um, and you know a lot of so you know one of the things she does um she will go to like bars she'll pretend to be drunk uh, pretend to be sloppy drunk and she will uh and these you know quote unquote you know nice guys be like, hey you need some help you know let me take you home let me let me call you uber you know and they'll be in the car and then he says like well you know my place is just like right here you know what i mean if you just want to to get a quick nightcap and you know just tie things off and and then you know like when, the, when she's trying to pretend to be passed out and he's trying to kiss all over you know that's when she you know you know stops pretending to be drunk and that's when they freak out which is always great when they do that in the, in the movie they just go like oh shit you yeah. know and, um, yeah and the first uh two guys cases of this with that we see are uh, adam brody and uh uh christopher mintz class aka mclovin yeah um, that's funny and and they're so great at playing the 
No, 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 no. <laughs> it's like, nah, you got caught, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Is she, um, like, recording them or something? No, she's she's not recording them or anything like that. Um, I think she, I mean, she just kind of does it as a kind of like this maybe wake up call to them as like a mm. scared straight type thing. That, that's, how, that's how that's how I uh, saw it. It was uh, an opportunity for them to get scared straight. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, don't don't, you know, try to, you know, kiss on passed out chicks because you never know, you know, they could be somebody like me, you know, they could do something way worse, you know. Um, and when I saw the trailer for this, uh, when movie theaters were still open, uh, long, long way back in the before times, um you know when we had movie theaters and they were open and i saw it and i was like this trailer you know looks very interesting looks very good i can't wait to see it uh so finally see it is is just, you know really good and this is from a first time director too um and first uh first time feature director because uh emerald fennel she was a a writer and producer and i think director on a couple episodes of killing eve yep she was yeah and and uh, this yeah. movie the script for it it's carrying a lot of that same sense of humor mm. because yeah, it is uh, something that something that isn't in the trailer is just kind of how funny some of the dialogue is yeah because there I are mean, moments, in, really there are moments in this that had me caught off guard with how funny it was because it's very much the dark humor of it um the way that she's messing with these people is is very entertaining um you know and there's a situation where she uh goes to like the uh head of the school uh where the incident happened and she like plays these mind games with the head of the school um the the headmaster that is really i think a good scene uh carrie mulligan does a, a very very good job uh throughout the movie um you also have both burnham in this as well um who um is a character she sees uh throughout the movie uh he's very good um i think you know their scenes they have great chemistry together they're, they're very good um you also have clancy brown in this who plays like her father uh you know clancy brown he's just got that recognizable voice if you grew up in the 90s early 2000s you you know that voice i mean if you, know you grew up I mean? watching cartoons at any point in your life you know that voice yeah i mean he's got a very, very identifiable uh identifiable voice uh jennifer coolidge who you know plays her mother in this uh very the, 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 the aka stifler's mom yeah the very the the least annoying i've ever seen her in anything before um <laughs> uh, you know that, that's for sure uh you know yeah, this, very, very... this movie this, this movie is full of comic actors doing drama and it, it's always a fun reminder to see how much how great they are at doing drama when when uh, comedians decide to do that hmm. yeah and she's very good in the film um you know and I, I will also say like it's a good use of music too um because you yeah, know like the new trend now to do is like take you know a, a pop culture song that's like a pop song slow it down and make it kind of creepy you know that's what <laughs> thanks basically do. thanks jordan peele for that yeah yeah um this one this one kind of really incorporates it into the the film into and it, it really works i think very very well the way they do it um i think the story itself um obviously it's a very relevant story you know obviously with a lot going on with me too going on with with women coming out um, about sexual assault about sexual harassment their experiences um and how that makes them feel and, and just the trauma there is and the movie also kind of brings up a question of you know 
whether or not, you know, is it okay to carry, constantly carry that trauma and should you just kind of just move on or you'll be dragged down and you'll always be in that same place uh, again. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want to say too much about it or the, the whole, you know, kind of overall story. Um, but I, you know, I really enjoyed it, really liked it a lot. Um, was very interested to see where it was going to go. Um, like, like movies where I, I don't completely know where it's going to go, know where it's going to end. Um, and I thought, I think that's always a good surprise. Uh, Nick, what about you? Uh, with me, I feel like with this movie, I had a lot of, uh, uh preconceived notions with, uh, watching the trailer. Like, uh, watching that, I kind of was like piecing together how this was going to go. Then I saw the movie and I was wrong. And the mystery of this is really intriguing. It does a great job of building it up until that confrontation with uh, Connie Britton's character, the uh, the school administrator you see in so many of these sexual assault cases. It's it's he said, she said, there's not enough evidence. I can't ruin this uh, promising young man's life over this accusation. Yeah. And when she gets put in her place, it is so entertaining and so satisfying to watch. Yeah. What's your uh, rating? Oh, for me, this is solid nine out of ten. I love the yeah. the the script in this, the performances, the use of a uh, uh, music in this. Uh, I remember talking to a friend of mine about this. He said it was very Tarantino esque. Mm -hmm. It feels like songs were were chosen for the soundtrack that were specifically made to tailor made for those scenes and adding to them. Mm. Yeah, and. On top of that, uh, the entire cast is great, especially uh, Carrie Mulligan and uh, Bo Burnham, who I was surprised how good an actor he is in this. Because uh, yeah. I, I know him mostly as a comedian and as a director of uh, Eighth Grade, another movie uh, uh, I really like. But, <clears throat> but he's, yeah. he's actually a really great, really uh, uh, funny... Uh, but a romantic foil for uh, Carrie Mulligan's uh, character. And yeah. this is kind of like an interesting take on like the uh, revenge film or the loss of innocence because we meet Cassie when she's like in the middle of her like revenge journey. And I won't give away how, but she's like on, on the path to like letting it go until something happens where, nah, I can't, I can't do it. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, great performances. Uh, Carrie Mulligan, I think, from the entire cast. Uh, Allison Brie, she makes a, a shows up here as well, um, and she does something to Allison Brie um, because you know it shows kind of the different types of people who how they react to these different types of situations. Yeah. She, um, yeah. She's yeah. She, Allison Brie's playing the type that's uh, well. Well, if you have a history of this kind of behavior, don't be surprised when she cries wolf. Right. Yeah. So, um, and she, you know, kind of enacts a revenge on her. That's that's pretty satisfying. And, and, and you know, and then it takes something like that for her to kind of for her to click, for her to get it, um, which is very interesting. Um, you know, so, yeah, really good performance from Allison Brie. Um, you also have, uh, you know, really good performances from uh, I think uh, her best friend in the movie, uh, the one who works at the coffee shop with her, the one from Orange is New Black. Oh, uh, uh, Laverne Cox. 
Laverne Cox, she's also very good in it as well. She has a small bit, but she's very funny um, and is very good in the role um, as well. Um, like the writing, sharp writing, um, thinks it works really well. Um, I enjoy the use of the music. Uh, and yeah, I think it's overall very, very good film, a film that people should definitely check out. And uh, I'd give it a eight out of 10. Definitely, definitely really, really good film. Um, all right, so moving on to a, another film here. We're going to have Wolf Walkers. Um, now, I didn't finish Wolf Walkers. I was trying to jam in a bunch of stuff, and uh, my internet was down for like a day and a half, pretty much. Excuses. Uh, like soon, <laughs> soon, soon, as soon as the new year started, my internet just went out. It was out for like half a day. So um i didn't get a chance to try to catch up with everything and finish this didn't get a chance to finish it uh but these two guys did nick and chase did so what do you all have to say about it do you want to give the premise nick or okay so this is in uh, 1650s uh ireland like during the uh english uh like occupation of it you have a young girl named uh, Hold up, let me get my uh, notes on this real quick. All oh, right, her name's so Robin. Alright, so the premise is a young uh, apprentice hunter uh, named Robin and her father, uh, who is voiced by Sean Bean, are journey to Ireland to help wipe out the last wolf pack. But she befriends a free-spirited girl from a tribe that's rumored to transform into wolves. But I'm overcomplicating the premise because this is essentially just Avatar. Hey, how, which Avatar? James just, Cameron Avatar, Cat Avatar. Hey, I'll I'll take this over that though. I'm not full. <laughs> like the premise isn't very that all that original, but like I'd say it's better than Avatar. Than James Cameron's Avatar. Obviously, not the last Airbender. I would agree as well. I would agree. Uh, what separates uh, uh, that Avatar from this are the uh, the excellent uh, voice performances and just this very beautiful, very unique style of animation that mm. I don't think I've seen in a very long time. Because this is a uh, 2D animation. This is 2D. This is hand drawn and every frame it's like looking at a picture book that's yeah. in motion it, it, every frame has a ridiculous amount of detail even down to stuff like how light bounces off characters and how that like moves their shadows it's just so beautiful to look at yeah i love the way um certain characters like um the the girl that she befriends her hair you could see like the shading the you know the black line out um around like the outline it's called and you can kind of see her hair kind of still shading above it so it's kind of like you know it's not in between the lines but it still just works um there's moments like that with like the sheep like that as well um and i love the the way they color fire like all the fire is just crimson red so it looks even like it looks blood it looks like blood <laughs> um yeah no I, I like this movie a lot um and it's weird so it's on apple tv 
which yeah. is not necessarily something that I would personally recommend. But like for this, you get the free week trial. I, I recommend it, especially if you have like kids. Yeah, like, and like, I, I would recommend that as well. Uh, this is an animation style that we don't get enough of. And yeah. when we do, it's always in something that's, that's really, really well done, really uh, unique as far as visually goes. So I... <clears throat> So I absolutely recommend supporting this movie. Get the free trial of Apple TV Plus because or some other good stuff. Uh, there's like uh, that uh, uh, Chris Evans miniseries called Defending Jacob. It's got the kid from It. That's really good. Uh, uh, Ted Lasso with Jason Sudeikis is supposedly really good. Uh, on the Rocks, Bill Murray, Rashida Jones. That was on Apple TV. <laughs> was that good? Um, yeah, it was solid. Yeah, we reviewed it. Uh, I reviewed Did it. Did we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was solid, yeah. Uh, um, if you have a new Apple device, you get uh, Apple TV Plus for like three months free if you have a new Apple free. device. Definitely recommend it then. I mean, even yeah. if you're not like like a kid or just somebody who's typically into animation, I still say give this a try simply because it's... I mean, it does have like a lot of the same tropes that you've avatar yes th um, yes this this is essentially just dances with wolves which is yeah. this is avatar which <laughs> is ripping off dances with wolves as far yeah. as the story goes yeah but it's just done in a more unique way than avatar it's <laughs> or, it's, it's more visually unique than yeah. any of those others other yeah. and yeah. especially Very, if you're a sean bean fan i i think Yep, Sean Bean, one role. With, Sean Bean fucking with wolves again. Yeah, and I think this is the one role where he might be safe. Oh shit, you, <laughs> you're right! <laughs> yeah. uh, Literally everything else he's not. <laughs> and there's the moments in this movie where I thought like they were gonna go really oh. dark. Because they do actually kind of go a little dark. Yeah, um, this this is shockingly dark. This is yeah. more. This is closer in tone to something like a Studio Ghibli film. Yeah, uh, than yeah. Anything like uh, Disney or like Pixar or or any of those uh, other animated films. I'm looking at yeah. the studio right now, Cartoon Saloon. I never heard of it, but it's a Irish animation studio. So yeah, I definitely recommend giving this a shot and just checking it out because it. it so what's your rating for it? My rating for rate? it, I I give it like a high eight. Um, the only thing keeping it from a nine is like I do think the execution of it is very is very good. It's just um, there's just not enough of the characters are pretty well developed. I love the relationship between her and her father, and then also her with. The there's just something missing that I can't really describe right now. That from a medium. I don't know whether that's just originality or whether that's just like um, how they settle the conflict, but I still think it's a watch. Very good. Mm. Okay. Nick? Uh, I would say 8 out of 10 as well. Uh, this is uh, one of the. Uh, the most beautiful animated movies I've seen, but it 
does have a lack of originality with its story that I just can't abide. Okay. All right. Like there are moments where it's very predictable. <laughs> but it's like it's not like painfully predictable. It's just like, oh yeah, yeah, that that's gonna happen. You know what I'm saying? I'm right. still gonna enjoy watching it, but yeah, that's just what's gonna happen because that's just how this movie is. <laughs> okay. Know? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, all right. So moving on from discussing Wolf Walkers, uh, we're gonna discuss Cobra Kai season three. And uh they released this uh a week early. Uh they released it, it was supposed to come out oh, next week, uh, but they did it uh to coincide with New Year's, uh, and so it's supposed to come out Perfect. on the eighth, and, and so they just released it a week, bumped it up a week early, which is pretty cool. Um, and here is another 10 episode season, um, and still really solid, I think. Um, here um, you have them following up from the events of the second season so this is spoilers if you haven't watched the show or you're just now watching the show uh, we're going to be talking about season one season two so if you're not up to date um, highly recommend checking it out uh, we have a review up on the site um, about season one and season two if you want to hear a review for that uh, that's on our page uh, youtube page so if you want to look that up and hear our thoughts on that um so in season three you have the follow-up uh, of the events of the big uh high school brawl that happened the royal rumble the the fight to the uh, death the goddamn gang war that happened in- uh, yeah <laughs> yeah let's uh, call it what it is these are just gang uh, wars at this point <laughs> yeah pr- pretty much uh, so it has the fallout from from that um robbie uh, he's on the run uh, after what he did to Miguel, kicked him off the banister, you know, and then he just fell um, dramatic slow motion you know, uh, from uh, from there and then hit his like right on his spine. Um, he could have done, done the Bane backbreaker and it wouldn't have been as brutal as that. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so you also have the parents all come together for a big uh, meeting, you know, with the school saying, you know, like, you know, like basically like, hey, what the hell happened? Where were you teachers? Um, they say like, well, you they, know, we they, straight they, policy. they address, they address one of my uh, critiques is, yeah, what about this Paul Walter Hauser? What's this grown ass man doing fighting children? Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? And um, I'm actually very thankful he was not in this season. He was like yeah, one he, of the few like, critiques that we had <laughs> collectively yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my more annoying characters in season yeah. two yeah uh so he's not in this season you're talking about um yeah this like the security Dang guard right. character the the grown man that, that was in it um he was a, um he was also in richard jewel um he was the lead in, in that film yeah he was kind of for me yeah, one of the weaker elements uh of season two so i'm glad they they got rid of him there uh this season um, so yeah, so it has that kind of big fallout there and the parents come together and says like, well, the parents, they say, well, where were you? Why didn't you get involved? They're like, well, you know, by, you know, regulations, we can't get involved. We can't get in, in between two students fighting, uh, things like that. Um, it was funny to see, uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel LaRusso and his wife, uh, they come to the meeting, uh, and he tries to stand up to speak. And it was funny hearing the people in the background, you know what I mean? It goes like, well, hey, listen, karate is not bad. It saved my life. And it goes, oh, shut up. I heard you were the bully. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then. And then and yeah, then I rewatched Karate Kid 1. Daniel was a little dick. 
Yeah, he, he was kind of a dick. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still Team Daniel. I'm still like, I'm still Team I Daniel too. Especially because of uh, just like, cause it, you know Johnny kind of started it. Yeah, <laughs> and he kind of was a lot more aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> but still, Dan Daniel did his part. He was still a dick. Yeah. Um, and you know they were talking about you know their daughter and how their daughter was in the fight, and then goes, "Your daughter's a whore." She was going yeah. back and forth, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. And then you know it's always funny, like when somebody screams something, you don't know who said. Go, who said that? Yeah. Who said, who said that? You know, <laughs> yeah. So I thought that that was pretty funny. I thought that was a good opening, but. Just to set, like, okay, this this major event isn't going to go overlooked. It's something mm. that is going to cast yes. a shadow over the entire season. So yeah. yes, and it, and it's actually like kind of a realistic depiction of how like school parents react to incidents at schools, and they're like freaking out. It's like, okay, uh, uh ban karate. Yeah, yeah. Like, karate footloose. Yeah, yeah. And you know, karate. I'm taking my kid out. Like uh, new program, doing? new program. Hugs, not yeah, <laughs> yeah. The hug program. Oh god, that shit uh, triggered me. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Give yeah. me some real PTSD for a second there. Um, and you see, so it's, you know, result of that fight, result of the end of that fight, what happened with Miguel, you see like how it's affected everybody's life. Like with Daniel, his business is being severely affected. Not a lot of people are coming in there anymore. So his, his dealership is being heavily hit. Um, you see with Johnny, he's going on a bender. He's just in bars, you know, getting into fights. Um, you see with uh, Samantha. It's just Johnny. Uh, well, he was he was yeah, doing better. He would have been doing that. He would have been doing. That. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's he would have been doing a little bit better. You know, uh, you have Samantha Larusso who's got pretty much like PTSD. She goes back to yeah. school. Um, you know, she's got severe trauma. Uh, so it, it, it's just like it's it, this is a, this is a huge thing that really messed up everyone's life. Which is good to see that that you know that event did you know did do all that, and they're really addressing that here in this season. Yes, yes, it's uh, it's grounding this world because I. Even I felt like uh, season two, it was getting a little cartoonish, and it was nice to see them kind of ground everything back in reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and I love I love the little bits where like uh, the non karate civilians are kind of just, yeah. What's all this fuss about karate? Like, why does the valley care so much about karate? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's like, like it reminds you. It's like being in Texas and not giving a shit about high school football. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, this is, yeah, like in the Valley for them in this series, karate is like this big thing, but mm. it really didn't become a big thing until really Johnny started it and then Daniel started it and then here came John Kreese. So it was really kind of these old motherfuckers that really brought it really back like that. Like nobody mm. was really thinking about it until them. <laughs> um, and so, you know, you know, it's, it's, kind of it's, it's fun to see like you know like he says in the in the season it's like we kind of passed on our drama to these kids and kind of let it affect them yeah. and we we have to try to break that cycle um so you do see a daniel as you saw in the trailer for season three are we doing we doing spoilers for season three or we might as well there's a lot of good stuff to talk about there's so much good in this season okay so um so in this is like people saw from the trailer um, we see Daniel and Johnny team up, you know, to go find uh, Robbie. Uh, that was really nice, you know what I mean? And again, it's a situation where, you know, they're hanging out, they're doing stuff, 
they're kind of connecting and there's always something that happens that kind of breaks that bond you know what i mean because yep. they're just kind of yep. more it's, light it's uh it's three for three as far as this show going they once they finally start bonding one of them does something to fuck it up and we're yeah. back to square one <laughs> yeah you know what i mean and uh you know situation happens you know they, they're going around you know two karate buddies you know and um <laughs> You know, they, they even have a fight scene in a, you know, uh, in a in a chop shop. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, listen, the fight choreography, is, it's nothing like the raid or anything like that. You know what I mean? And also you're yeah. dealing it, with guys. It's, it's, it's not like the raid. It's not even like on the same level of John Wick. But it, it's like one of the things I liked about Karate Kid, it was always like more realistic uh fight choreography in terms of like how awkward it is because real life fighting is awkward as shit yeah (laughs) yeah you know yeah and then this they capture that awkwardness perfectly especially like two guys in their late 40s is trying to do these moves i mean ralph macho is almost 60 i mean he looks like he could still be in his 40s but but he's 59 you know what i mean it's like yeah so and then you have william zakba you know he's 55 so it's like two guys who are close to 60 it's like yeah i mean <laughs> you know i mean it but it's it i mean they're they look great and mm-hmm. you know they're in really good physical shape and i mean you can tell when it's two 50 something year olds fighting and everything mm-hmm. like that you um tell, you but, can tell when it's a stunt double <laughs> yeah you know what i mean especially like with scenes with john crease it's like oh yeah i could tell me this is he can't do this shit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he still uh, looks great, though. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. He I still looks I, like he could, he could kick him hard. I wish, <laughs> I wish I could look that good at 80. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it's, you know, like I said, it's not like John Wick's not the raid, but, it, you know, it's decent enough for this it's show. Fun. It works, it, yeah, it is fun. Yeah. It works well. Uh, there's some people who are better at it than others. I think, like, the kid who plays Robbie, yeah. he's really good at it. I think he does a really good job with the choreography and everything. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so you know, oh, we good? Oh, I was just gonna say one thing I really love about all of his fight choreography scenes are he's up against somebody who realistically would whoop his ass and could actually wrestle a little bit. Cause they actually like in this show, like everything I, a big problem I've always had with like karate, like movies and TV shows is that they never address like you know what happens when you get to the ground. <laughs> and in this show. When they get to the ground, they get their ass beat. And that's just yeah. kind of like how, like, and like, they do have their ways to maneuver around it, but like, I love the fact that there's still that sort of bit of realism. Like, no, just because you're great at karate and you can kick very high, doesn't mean that you can't just get your ass beat if I just tackled you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. That was uh, probably my favorite. Uh initial fight scene was like mm. Robbie's first day in the uh, juvie yeah it was like like you can yeah, still that karate get shit, that karate shit ain't gonna work here <laughs> yeah <laughs> you gotta figure something out different <laughs> yeah. um so yeah i mean yeah so it's it's good action scenes like you said they address more of like what happens when you go to the ground um and there's a situation that happens uh with john crease recruits more students uh, which we'll get into a little bit later here. We'll get into uh, a little bit later. Um, but you know, when the moment happens, you know they, you know Daniel and Johnny, that that kind of that that buddy and cop trip ends early. Um, and I, w- I will say, like um, the like the wife character, um, Amanda, who's Daniel Russo's wife in this. 
I mean, I think this is a lesson on how you really write a great wife character. Um, yeah, she would have so many great lines throughout it. Like when a less a and, lesser writer would have turned her into just a nagging bitch. But yeah, here yeah. she's got Daniel's back one hundred percent. Yeah, even though yeah. she's calling him on his bullshit, she still says, "All right, I got your back. You got to do this shit, man." Yeah, you yeah, can buy their you know. love. Like, mm. <laughs> yeah, she it's, even it's has funny, a heart, yeah. which is. Like, which is, you know, normally kind of left out from just like white characters in these sort of sports uh, TV shows. Um, yeah. They kind of are just, you know, nagging. They have their few lines and they're like, all right, honey, like, I, I could handle my shit if you go back. But no, she actually has like a full sort of like arc season two. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I bring her up because she had like a really great line I, I liked a lot and she had a lot of great stuff in this season but uh, like when they're on their trip together Daniel and Johnny and, they, and he calls up his wife and um, he says like and she says like what are you Tango and Cash and everything like that and then Johnny says like no those were narcotics <laughs> detectives and she was like you realize you're like no detectives at all <laughs> like, you, you know what I mean like you're like yeah. nobody you know um, so yeah. that I thought that was really good. I thought a lot of that stuff was good. She's a really great character, really great. I mean, this is a real good lesson on how to write a good wife character. Um, I think a love interest character. She's very good. Um, a big highlight um, in this season for me uh, was with Daniel going back to Japan. Um, mm -hmm. And the reason he is still back there is because with the dealership, um, you know, they you know he, they have a huge partnership with a, J a Japanese manufacturer. So he wants to go to them and plead to them to not sign with someone else. Uh, and, you know, those kind of stuff like that, those scenes where, you know, he reconnects with older uh, members, specifically from uh, Karate Kid 2. Um, I thought that was really great. Um, I thought, you know, the stuff where he remembers Mr. Miyagi again um, through letters. I thought that was a really beautiful scene. That really kind of, oh, yeah. that really kind of choked yeah. me up a little bit. Yeah, this yeah. is the best performance Ralph Macchio's ever given him. Yeah, as an actor. Um, yeah, and and you know he meets his love interest who was in Karate Kid too, who's aged beautifully. You know she looks really great. Um, still, um, you know, uh, she, and then he also meets the bully from Karate Kid <laughs> too. It it, it is kind of weird that like I mean this was a guy that like he did, he was like well this dude tried to kill you like he threatened your life and she was like oh that was a long Jump time ago. Yeah. Come yeah. Up. It was 30 yeah. years ago. <laughs> uh, I, I guess it's like okay 30 years later i guess i was like yeah, uh, i guess yeah kind of just move on i guess and i, I uh, kind of and like I, I, I like the the misdirection with this character because yeah. like when he's introduced it's like it's like angry <laughs> and he's like really stoic and just gotten the thousand yard death stare up yeah. until they like start training together yeah yeah and i love that training scene so much because it's a perfect fake out he's just like <laughs> He's just like escalating it as far as possibly, and then he does like what I like to call the energy bending move. Because I, when I think about it, I always think about Aiden whenever whenever I see this move. Because I rewatched mm. it a couple times. Because he like you know does the pressure point punches, and then he's got Daniel right where he wants him, and he's like, all right, you want to live or die. The same line Wait. that he gave uh, Chosen. That was that was that was perfect. <laughs> yeah. I was like, uh, um, yeah, so take lessons from this show and how to do callbacks and references yeah. to stuff from the 80s because 
every single time they did it here, it always added to the story or mm -hmm. it was supplementing what uh, viewers who hadn't seen the original movies wouldn't know about it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, very much. And it's funny, you know, like, is this thing, you know, be, being as big as it is, running into people, like, seeing people online go like, well, I mean, I never really cared about the Karate Kid movies, never really got that into them, but I do love this series. And me personally, I mean, you know, I like the Karate Kid movies. I've only seen one and two. And, um, you know, I didn't grow up in the 80s. I didn't experience the phenomenon of that was when it first came out or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it does have that, it, it does remind you, like, kind of has that great effect of bringing in that n nostalgia, but not, it, it doesn't feel like ever, it's ever in a forced, corny type way or forced, trying to really play on your nostalgia for it. It just seems like it kind of fits in the story and the way it works and the way they bring it in, um, and what they do with the characters, which is nice. And them bringing in back, like, all these people, you know, 30 years later. You know, thirty plus years later, they bring it back. Yeah, even yes, but even uh, getting down to casting the same actors in the same roles thirty years later. Yeah, because you know, I like, loved uh, the scenes with uh, Tamlin Tomita's Kamiko and uh, uh, Ralph Macchio because that chemistry is still there from uh, a Karate Kid Two. I yeah. was amazed how how fun they were to watch together. And Yuji yeah. uh, Akimoto, he's playing a softer side to show to Chosen than we saw in the in. Uh, the first time he was in this role, yeah, and um, you—it's kind of cool to see like, uh, um, like that opposite side of the spectrum because of uh, uh, how Johnny grew up thirty years later, and how uh, Chosen did. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. how they and both use their past. Because Chosen is kind of like he still he still regrets it, and you can still like yeah he still feels that pain, but he's past in a positive yeah and he's willing to share and kind of like open up to daniel uh, after the training arc or <laughs> the training uh yeah. fight um yeah. it's also just weird to see the village like you know just totally pimped out by capitalism <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah he trusts so like, like they also explain that that's too. accurate Speaking of someone who lives in Japan, that's accurate. Like, a lot of us, uh, like smaller villages from like the '80s and stuff, they've kind of uh, uh, been renovated and become like more modern tourist destinations, which yeah. actually does help the economy. It helps people get uh, more modern homes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say because like he. Um... He was kind of like walking around kind of just like sad about it expecting like whoever the old villagers were to be depressed about how the current conditions are but like uh chemicals yeah, is kind cool. of like yeah no yeah, we're we chilling cool. like this is actually like we're living our best lives we have computers now we have phones and shit. <laughs> yeah we cool man yeah, yeah i mean we got a kfc we got a basket yeah. robins you know yeah. what i mean like it's kind of cool you know like, like mm. We uh, moved on from Subway of, to, uh, what was it, Jimmy John's or Jersey something like that? Jersey Mike. Oh, yeah, Jersey, Jersey. Mike. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, because, you know, he goes and tries to go back to the old village and everything like that. And, and it's like, yeah, he expects to see the, the same kind of huts and the same yeah. mud and all this. And then he sees nothing but, you know, kind of looks like any regular kind of mall and everything like that. And Baskin Robin, KFC, you know what I mean? You know, like, I, I do really want to try KFC in japan or in korea i kind of do really there's, there's no difference 
they're, no different. I was about to say, I know you're not just going to a foreign country just eating the same shit you normally eat in America. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a crime. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The way they go crazy over it, I thought, you know, maybe there's something different. You know what I mean? I guess Very. not. Although, no, although no. I do hear the Seven Elevens get different. Is that true? The Seven Elevens are the Seven Elevens here. Fucking slap! Okay, you can get a full-on gourmet meal at a convenience store. It's amazing. Really? Yeah, because at best it, the Seven Elevens in Philly, they would just be like, "All right, here's a ugly slice of pizza that's been just sitting out for the past five days." <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. When I went to Japan, yeah, Seven Elevens were were pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Um, and they had these like little snacks there, like these little sour things that I really like getting. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, but so yeah, this and also this. You get get lit at the beverage section at the Seven <laughs> Eleven. <Yeah. laughs> That's sick. <laughs> uh, but the, the Daniel stuff, yeah, in, in Japan was really great. Him learning, you know, from Chosen and you know them training together, I thought was really great. Um, him and Kimiko was really great. I thought their whole scenes are really good. And then they even bring in like the, the little girl that he saved in Karate Kid too. And now she's mm. you know adult now. They bring her in. So that that was also another touch um, as well um, that I thought was really good. It was and, a little Parmigiani, but I liked it. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. The fact that people people <laughs> yeah, would yeah, still that, remember that conflict. Uh, I felt it resolved a little too quickly, but yeah. you also had yeah. a lot to to get through in the later half of the season yeah and like what he like what we did get out of japan was phenomenal like i i, yeah. I loved every every bit of it yeah like, i didn't mind it resolving so quickly yeah because it was, it was kind of like a big coincidence moment. yeah it was like yeah, well, it was a big coincidence my question though is where was she during the board meeting because like she could have been like that's daniel son like i know him he saved me <laughs> you know what i'm saying if she was that high up in the company like i think was it she worked for the company or she she she, she was, was like, like outsider senior, she was senior vice president of sales for the yeah. company and she's oh. not going to a sales meeting with the uh, i guess because uh with a lot of uh japanese companies they like delegate dealing with foreigners to like lower tier people mm. in the company Okay. Uh, so I guess that could be a way to justify it. Mm. Okay. Maybe. 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 Or maybe she just had a day off. You know. Maybe she. Maybe she just had a day off. <laughs> she is on vacation. She, yeah, yeah. She was in Okinawa. That's like a. That's like a summer vacation spot in Japan. Yeah. Because the place where he first went to, Daniel was in Tokyo, and yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Maybe she just yeah had on vacation at time. Um, all right, so an another really big thing I like about this season um, that I think is really the core of the show is the relationship between Johnny and Miguel. Yeah. Um, that was, I think, the best thing about season one. Um, they kind of drifted away from it in season two, uh, but I still like season two. They focused a little bit on other people and the relationships between other characters. But in this one, um, you see like that was like the main core of, of to me of the show is their kind of mentor student relationship and their kind of bond and you know they brought that back again heavy here in season three and i thought that was also one of the really great things i loved because i just think they work so well together um and seeing johnny trying to help miguel overcome you know the ability to try to walk again and try to go through re rehabilitation um after giving him a fishing him. rod of old ass used sports illustrated swimsuit <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know 
Um, I thought that was very good. You know, he even lights his legs on fire, you know what I mean? <laughs> Trying to get him to walk. Um, you know, so just good scenes like that. Um, you know, it really reminded you of kind of that stuff in the first season, like yeah. when uh, Miguel helped him try to like date again, you know what I mean? And get uh, profile pics and, you know, for Facebook and all this other stuff. Uh, and it's just, it, it's just kind of crazy how clueless Johnny is. it's amazing it's always so funny to see how out of touch he is with like the modern world you skipped talking about the novel he was about to send poor alley (laughs) yeah uh and that's that's a big thing yeah like um you know because we saw last season um he sent a facebook uh a friend request to alley and then in this season um like that was kind of one of the things we saw like the, the the closing of the second season shot was like she accepted his friend request and you know uh you know accepted it and everything like that um and sent him one and um so in this season you see like she sent him a message and everything so he's trying to send one back um and he does you know rookie mistakes you know when you're on Mm -hmm. social media likes all the girls pics Mm -hmm. you know what i mean um he also you know tries to like send her this big thick text message and miguel's like well you can't do that like it's a whole novel like you know yeah. like you gotta keep it short simple you know you know like also your page you know gotta put some good photos on there and everything like that and i thought that was really nice again that reminded you a lot of the first season you know what i mean and 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 him trying to help him with you know dating and just trying to connect to the modern world and everything like that so i thought that was really fun and, and loved that a lot um again this season oh, um, uh, also just with that relationship first couple of episodes we get to see how far before like miguel wakes up we get to see how far johnny will go miguel is like i mean even like which you know granted may have not been his best decision uh, putting off going to see his son in jail willing to go and you know support miguel during this whole surgery process and make sure that he gets the money that he yeah. Hey, in his defense, you ever tried uh, saying no to Abuelita? <laughs> yeah. Can't say no to Abuelita. Yeah. Can't say no tries... to Abuela. <laughs> no, yeah. no, you, no, you can't. Yeah. Because he tries to, like, in order to help get money for Miguel, he tries to go to his uh, stepfather, Ed Eisner. Um, and, you know, he's like, well, I'll, you know, if you don't give me the money, I'll make one of those hash brown things that they do nowadays, you know what I mean? And try to get you, you know, he's like, <laughs> you know, so I mean, you know, he's like, and the old, the, it has and says, I don't give a fuck. I'm old. I mean, you know, I don't mm-hmm. care. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, you know, I think even Ed, Ed Eisner. Old that was just Ed Eisner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't <laughs> give a shit. I'm going to die anyway soon. <laughs> yeah. I don't even uh, think he knew he was acting. He was just like, <laughs> he probably thought that was his son. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I thought that was like a, a nice scene and everything like that. Um, but in order to raise money for, for Miguel, the, the kids, they do a whole, you know, car wash and everything mm-hmm. like that to, to raise money um, for him. Um, and it was it, that was also another good scene. I thought like where the with the the boys they pull up and they're like, oh yeah, you know these, these good looking women gonna get our car wash. And here comes this dude, shirt off, you know, gut all over the car washing. And they're like, what the fuck? What is this? Like, hold on, bro. You know. So I I thought that was really good. Uh, they just happened to leave uh, the money with the littlest guy, um, a part of the whole crew. 
and they beat the crap out of him and take the money, you know, and this is Cobra Kai, uh, and, you know, try to pass it off as they got the money from Miguel. And that brings it to the whole element of this whole kind of gang war is still going on, yeah. still rivalry, still beefs uh, between these these people. Um, and you know, you see uh, Samantha LaRusso, she takes more of like a, a like in charge role. Her trying to be, you know, uh, you know, like fighting back, you know, not trying to be bullied, you know, um, and try to kind of lead it and everything against Cobra Kai. Um, and she 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 just she ain't about that life i mean she yeah. really not I mean, you know what i mean yeah she's just a rich kid from the suburb she ain't about that life yeah so, you know uh, what i mean like you have somebody like tori um backfired who, so badly oh my gosh yeah who is obsessed i mean she she i mean is just has a hatred for her and then yeah. at some point like when other character motivations shift and change she's just kind of like i don't even know really why i'm mad anymore i'm just mad i don't even yeah. really i'm not I don't even really know why i'm i'm just kind of just mad Is it I don't to even just know. Say, you know what Fuck, i forgot why i was even mad at you <laughs> yeah you know what i mean like like you. <laughs> yeah like even character like because throughout the show like there's more shifting character motivations people swap sides again and elite you know uh, uh, alliances change and everything like that um and at that point i mean yeah you just seem like you would just kind of think like okay well it's kind of it seems like it's done now it's mm -hmm. over but it's like nah I'm, I, I'm mad but i'm just i gotta have my anger directed towards somebody i guess and it's i guess yeah. it's gonna be you i guess and if I uh, see you on the streets, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> That's yeah, basically you know, her whole thing. <laughs> and you think like Tori as a kid, you think she'd be more preoccupied because she's like, yeah. well, I work jobs and I'm trying to get my GED and I take care of my, my mother and my brother. It's like, you think her time would be more preoccupied yeah. doing other stuff, you know? But I guess not. I guess she makes time out of her yeah, day but, to go like, I'm gonna Yeah, she yeah, makes personal like, time. Yeah. Her, her time yeah, to go her, out and kill her entire. Her entire personal life is just devoted to killing this rich girl from the suburbs. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's fuck toy. All my homies hate toy. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. Um so but she's like a she's an angry young woman who's been manipulated by a psychopath. Oh yeah. No, I do I do have sympathy for her character. Cause there are like like very early on when Crease is kind of on her side with the whole, cause there's like a conflict between her and the, her landlord. Or, oh yeah, creepy landlord. Yeah. And the landlord is like, trying to like ask for favors instead of rent. And Kreese like, once, one of the few times I'm rooting for Kreese on the, the season, when he pulls up and he's like, all right, look, I, I'm, I'm gonna slice your fingers off if you don't fix this situation is you're gonna cancel her rent or i'm gonna take every finger off all right that's just is like, what, what it is <laughs> it, it is crazy how many things in this show can be just solved through just violence yeah you know, just, pure, <laughs> just pure violence of like oh you need to pay rent oh don't worry i just i, I threaten it to to hurt this guy so you don't have yeah. to pay rent i don't think that's how that bro you nah, still need to pay rent this dude, this dude is psycho i i believe it oh yeah, you know what i mean <laughs> It's Crease. Um, if he you is, saw Crease, you, you would switch yeah, out he too. Is, he is one hundred percent psychotic, and I. Yeah. One of my crit criticisms of this season is they uh, they do flashbacks to 
to increase his time in Vietnam. And I feel like the show already had too much going on without adding that on top of it. Because mm. I feel like they were trying to make him a more sympathetic character. But it doesn't really work as well when present day he's just a straight up supervillain. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think they should have tried to, if they were going to do those flashbacks. Because I like them individually. Like, especially the first one where you're introducing Young Priest. Because it's a total fake out. They're like, all right, here's this douchebag with a with a with a varsity leather coming in yeah, with his girl, letter, being all douchey, jacket. yeah. And you're expecting that to be crease, but it's not, <laughs> and I love that. But there's, yeah, there were a lot of good fakeouts in the flashbacks because yeah. there's like a guy with like a long hair and a ponytail, and yeah. for a long time I thought that was gonna end up being Terry Silver. <laughs> yeah, but there are like, I think. Those flashbacks are important, but I do wonder if those flashbacks could have been saved for the next season because he's obviously the. I think I think the show is going to end next season, and I think it has to end with him being the big bad. And I think yeah. maybe those flashbacks could have helped, um, in season four rather than season three. We'll see, but you know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious where they go with the with the going into Kreese's backstory because I feel like for I feel like with the show it's kind of been the theme of it is like diving into these characters who back in the 80s they were straight up one-dimensional villains yeah and trying to give them more depth and that's what this show is for but with a character like Kreese I feel like sometimes a bad guy can just be a bad guy yeah yeah that's true um yeah not every not everybody needs a needs a, a redemptive arc or redemption not everybody needs that yeah and i honestly i could have i think it still would have worked if it was just the one flashback because you do see him pick up and uh think about going to vietnam and i feel like vietnam in itself without even showing any of the flashbacks that in itself is such a dramatic like the, the the theater of the mind is it your mind can fill in something way more horrifying than what somebody can show you yeah 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 we all know how traumatic that war for him to come back and be a total psychopath like that's 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 a reasonable assumption regardless of uh seeing him in fighting pits and uh meet up with uh beer gut <laughs> and training with him because that's basically what the commander is. He's basically creased with a beer gut. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought the flashback with Crease, I thought that was kind of some of the weaker stuff in the season. Um, just because I just thought that was kind of like, yeah, you know, it's kind of just kind of simple. You know, I don't think it was, you know, kind of generic in, in the sense that I don't think they really did anything that creative with the whole backstory of his stuff I, I feel like if they like made younger crease a more sinister character mm. then it then it kind of could be like nah he was always like this yeah instead mm. of like his time in war made him who he is yeah yeah um there uh, the one redeeming uh point that i do like about the flashbacks is when you finally see him snap the end but it's so far gone and the flashbacks and all right yeah that's cool but <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah so i you know 
I, I you know, I, I, I didn't think those flashbacks. I think they could have been done better. Yeah. Uh, you know, worked in well, uh, worked in better. Um, so, you know, I, I think you know, again, it's you know, focusing on all the other like you know characters, like the kids and everything like that. Um, I think they, you know, they still come back, still do a really solid job. Uh, yeah, character- yeah, I agree with you. I feel like characters that were more annoying in previous seasons, like uh, uh, the character Dimitri. Yeah, it's like he <laughs> he, he chilled the fuck out finally. Yeah, he yeah. got laid. He's cool <laughs> now. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, he's, he's mellowed with, out. <laughs> hottest, he's with the hottest girl in school now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I mean? and, and that and that was actually one of my favorite scenes. It was like uh, <laughs> when Kyler starts fucking with him again, and yeah. Yasmin like picks him back up. It was like, yeah. oh. It's like it's so cool to see like the mean girl from previous seasons her her get a like redemptive arc. Yeah, yeah. We yeah we didn't even talk about how like uh, the characters the bully the sort of popular crowd kind of gets picked back up for the season. And yeah, I, I like the way they reintroduced them because yeah. in season two they kind of just they just up and disappeared basically. <laughs> yeah, but, like the Yasmin girl who was like the bitchy girl from season one and then. Yeah. Who, um, she left to go on like on a trip to, to, to Paris and something like that. Um, and uh, whatever, did they say what happened to the black girl? They they gave her like that front wedgie or something like. Did they ever say that? Uh, the, the black her, girl, uh, her parents apparently, uh, I think they dropped it. it as like her parents moved her to private school. Yeah. Oh, get God, her, get her the fuck out of the gang war. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I thought I got money to get away from gangs. What the fuck is this? <laughs> now these these white kids doing fucking karate. What the yeah. fuck? Um, okay, so yeah, because I thought they yeah they said something like that um, in it as well. Um, and um, you also have uh, the guy who was the bully in the first season to Dimitri and to Miguel. You see him return again because John Kreese he's recruiting. You know, manipulating, snaking around, you know, trying to, you know, build this army of his, you know, with Cobra Kai. Um, so he recruits the, the Asian bully. Damn army of, goddamn army of children. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he, so he recruits I'll them. I'll so never understand that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess it's just, you know, I mean, this is what he lives for. I mean, you know, and, and here he's the king of his domain, you know what I mean? Yes. You know, these teens, they, they follow every word he says and, you know, he gets to do whatever he wants. Um, it's just crazy to see how much he just manipulates this whole town and is yeah. always one step ahead of everyone else, you know, yeah. so and everything. And it, like, that's just crazy to see. You know, it's almost super villain level. Yeah. Like, you know, this motherfucker's Dr. Doom or some shit like that. Like, <laughs> I'm expecting like the next Avengers movie. It just slowly pans and it's just creasing the black sleeveless. Key. <laughs> Dude, yo, I would actually fuck around and watch that movie. If he was, if he was, if he was Dr. Doom, I would not mind. <laughs> Chris is just, I, he's just that. Only, like... if it, only, only if it's like him in the mask, but still in the sleeveless. Gee. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Oh wow! That, that yes. I'd pay to see that. Yeah, I'd pay You're to see. fucking that. hilarious! Oh my god! Yeah. Somebody's got to Photoshop that. Like Photoshop, yeah. I need that. Got, I need uh, that. Yeah, and um, you know he's using his you know just manipulation tactics, especially on Robbie. 
Um, yeah. You know, and we don't see a whole lot of Robbie this season because a lot of it is him um, in juvie and everything like that. And time is kind of funny in this show because I don't know how long he was in juvie to the point where he got out. I mean, I don't, I don't really know. Um, and then you have characters who, who get injuries, like you know, broken arm. Like Dimitri got a broken arm, and then like in the span. I feel, of, like, like, it, two I feel like it's this like takes place over the course of a couple months because yeah. As this is like the immediate fallout of the school fight, which is like first day of school, so that's like lit early, late August. Okay. And the finale takes place uh, around Christmas time, so that's like five months. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, four yeah, or five months uh, at least. Yeah, so that span of time, yeah. So that, that's that's kind of yeah, funny in, in the show sometimes. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's like that's what he's good at, you know, getting people when they're vulnerable. You know, when they're at their lowest and trying to really work on their anger. And Robbie right now is angry at Daniel Russo. He's angry at his dad, Johnny. Um, he thinks his, you know, Johnny prefers Miguel over him. Um, he thinks Daniel sold him out. You know, thinks, you know, and then his girl, Samantha, you know, she's over here, you know, canoodling with, with Miguel, you know what I mean? You know, all that type of stuff. Got so, it. Yep. Samantha's in an entanglement with Miguel. Yeah. You know, literally. So, <laughs> it makes sense yeah, so, since Will Smith's the producer on this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know he, you know he knows all about that. You know what I mean? He knows all about that oh, pain. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's just like so. You know, Robbie switches sides to John Kreese's team, and then you see John Lawrence. He's going to create his own dojo, separate. You know, he's going to get back into it now. You know what I mean? He's like, you know, that's what I'm good at helping students. You know, when he's talking to Miguel's mom, she's like, that's what you're good at. You're good at, you know, helping people. You know, karate is the way you talk to people. So that's what you're good at. So he goes back to doing the, you know, opening up his own one. It, it just happens to be in a park. You know what I mean? You know, it's not in the actual building, but, you know, he gets back to doing that. And then, you, of course, you still have love that. I, I love that little montage of him, like, going through locations. And the shittiest one is, like, three grand. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> It's like it's yeah. LA, man. Yeah. It's like, yep. So this is free. It's like, yeah. Can I get back to my family now? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah go. Um. Yeah. So you know, and then of course, Dan Russo, he has his dojo, you know, Miyagi dojo. Um. And it basically is coming to a point where I thought it was going to come to. I thought like this is basically what what would happen, where you have. Daniel's dojo and, and Johnny's dojo both kind of team up to fight John Kreese's, which I basically thought would happen. Like, he would be pretty much the big bad of the show. Like, Johnny eventually would, they would kind of come to a some type of agreement and they would eventually, you know, kind of fight John Kreese together because he's this superpower, you know what I mean? So I, I kind of figured that something like that would happen. That was kind of my guess. Um, I thought they would wait a little bit longer to do that. So that, that makes me think, like, yeah, they... Because it, it makes me think how much material they have left for you know, how many more seasons. And to Chase's point, it makes me think that season four would pr maybe presumably be its last season. I think it um, should be. Yeah, you yeah. know, that seems like it's logical. Like, it's like, yeah, it seems like the logical thing. Unless, because it seems like they're going to bring in Johnny Silverhand in the next season. Terry Silver? Yeah, it's Terry Silver. Um, Johnny yeah. Silverhand, I just hear. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, cyberpunk. I, I, yeah, cyberpunk. <laughs> Holy shit! Um, it, so you gonna see Keanu Reeves in this shit? <laughs> pop up out of, out of Johnny. Keanu Reeves as Terry Silver. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just, Although well, it does take off. place around the same time, it's like 2020 <laughs> when Johnny yeah. Silverhand's around, right? 
um, but it um, could yeah. Um, so Terry Silver. So so they're gonna probably bring him back for season four. So unless they want to replace Crease with Terry Silver and then have him be maybe the bad for season five. I should, I don't know. Like seems kind of like redundant to, to yeah. do that because you're doing the same thing you did in previous seasons. It seems kind of redundant. Um, so yeah, presumably season four seems like it's gonna be the last season, which would be fine. Four seasons, strong. I think that's nice right there. Um, don't want to milk a good thing when you have it. Um, yeah, so I, I, I mean, so I look forward to that. Um, you know, Elizabeth Shue coming back um, in this season, very good. Uh, she looks amazing. You know what I mean? Everything like that. You know, got really great charm. She seems like she's having a lot of fun uh, being back, uh, playing this role. Um, and, you know, re- reminiscing about stories. That was, like, really funny. You know, yeah. her reminiscing uh, with Johnny, reminiscing with Danny, you know, going back and that whole, re- like, reliving the whole thing. And she says, like, well, there's, you know, there's always three sides to the story. You know, your story, you know, his side of the story and my side of the story, you know. And um, the truth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so, like, <laughs> you know, so she has a completely different perspective on how everything happened as opposed to those two. Uh, which was uh, which was fun to see, um, like in a so much yeah. more mature perspective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know she's the one that pointed out what everybody's been pointing out watching this is that yeah. you're more like than you think, and you're yeah. kind of almost the same person. You're more like than than different, um, and then maybe that's why they all just never really fully get along all that way is because they're just more like uh, than anything. Um, I think like that whole thing really ties in well with what chosen was teaching dan daniel because like for so long daniel's just like oh like yagi does about defense meanwhile because like, has about offense nah. it's like nah motherfucker yagi they were like fighting off invaders in yeah. japan back in the day they had yeah. to kill some dudes yeah so mm-hmm. like now that he knows that there is an offensive side to me I do love setting up with Cobra Kai, teaming up together, kind of have this sort of joint dojo. Yeah. Because now you could have the best of what makes both of their styles work yeah. together. Yeah. yeah. It, it makes the perfect karate teaching the perfect method yeah. uh, of that. Um, did they ever say what the name of the co- the co- dojo was? They ever say? No. No. So. It's like the last shot of the season is. Uh, uh all the students from johnny's dojo and daniel's them lining up uh danny and johnny like in their headbands from back in the day them bowing to the class and then getting started and like that's the Uh, last shot of the season i just hope it's a better name than eagle fame (laughs) (laughs) i was thinking like maybe like miyagi kai or something like that or like like they never that go is like you know eagles don't have fangs right and I'm, <laughs> i love the the art for his dojo too it's just like an eagle with literal fangs in his beak yeah, <laughs> yeah that's about that, yeah that's about right for uh johnny yeah that's that's as the 80s as we get <laughs> um yeah, so I, I'm excited for season four. Um, I'll give a quick rating uh, for this season. Um, I think this season, give it maybe nine out of ten. I think strong nine. Um, strong, yeah. yeah, strong nine out of ten. Um, compared to season two, 
Um, hmm. I think that this may be an improvement over season two. I think it works out a lot of elements. Yes. Like I said, um, a lot of side characters are much better in this than they were in season two. Um, I think that, that's, like I said, they bring back the Johnny McGill relationship, which I think is the huge core of this uh, yeah. uh, show. Uh, the Daniel going to Japan stuff is, is really great. Uh, seeing the trailer for season three, that was something I was really excited to see. Um, and those were some of the best episodes also. Um, so yeah, I give it um, a strong, uh, yeah, strong nine. I think it's good. So do I. Um, love, I think I think I do love the fights better in this season. Yeah. Last. I, I agree as well, especially like the final fight in yeah. uh, in the LaRusso house. I liked uh yeah. It feels like the camera the camera crew is like stepping their game up. It's it's yeah. again a one shot, but instead of like panning down one hallway, it's going all throughout the house. Yeah, that was yeah. sick. That was that I was love that. I love yeah. that. And yeah. the fight between like the, the senseis versus Reese, I love that fight too. And oh, yeah. I love and, and and it ends in in the most karate kid way. Yeah. Of Daniel flashing back to something he learned a couple episodes ago. <laughs> yeah. And like I swear if you play the clip when Aang is fighting the Fire Lord, his energy bending just works. It works. The timing is perfect. <laughs> I really expected him to like grab his forehead and just like take his karate away. <laughs> I love yeah. that. I love that moment. <laughs> the final secret yeah. of Miyagi Do karate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, what do you all think is going to be season four? What do you think is going to be? The last episode will probably be the big karate tournament. Yeah. Um, what What else do you think is really going to be happening in season four? Oh, um, I guess, I mean, obviously, the build up towards that is going to be probably some conflict between John, uh, Johnny and Daniel again about like how to yeah, teach. Because- yeah, because yeah. yeah, it's it's gonna be. I feel like it's gonna be like a clash of different philosophies and how to teach, yeah. and like that's gonna be one of the main conflicts of the season, along with you know the escalating gang war building up to the tournament. Yeah, yeah, because like even though Johnny's like a much more subdued guy, he still is pulling the crazy he, he, tricks like the. He's uh, still a- He's still an asshole. It's like yeah. even when he goes to the school, he like knocks some kids' books down. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry, old habit. Yeah, and like he did light um, Miguel's foot on fire just to see if his feet would work. <laughs> so he'll, uh, I feel like he'll he'll still like try to do these those weird like over the top dangerous gimmicky uh, like uh, lessons and. Daniel will probably be like actively against it, trying to talk him down to do more like mystical, killed out, you know, above the uh, above the pond type of training that he normally does, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, was the scroll that um, chosen gave Daniel was that the the pressure points techniques, or was that something else? I mean, it could be something else because he I taught him how to do the pressure points like physically. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I want to know what. Yeah, I feel like that's gonna be uh, something that's gonna be picked up on next season. Yeah, 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 interesting. Because did didn't they say like season four is already in production? Did they greenlit that the second Netflix picked it up? Hmm. 
Um, yeah, I think so. I think they said yeah, season yeah, season three, season four was already go pretty much. I think already, yeah. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm excited to see what they do for season four. Um, yeah, yeah, very good, very good season, very good season. Um, all right, so, uh, moving on from discussing Cobra Kai, we're going to discuss, uh, best of 2020. Um, we're going to go through, run down some of our favorite movies of 2020. Um, so we're just going to do, um, 2020 was a absolute, complete fucking shit show of a year. Yeah, but absolutely. We got some great ass movies out of it too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Some great movies, um, and people are going like, well, you know, not a lot of movies came out, or you know, the theaters closed, but there was still a lot of stuff on VOD. Mm-hmm. Um, there was still a lot of stuff that uh, you know got released, um, and then that came. So um, that stuff people can check out. Um, so do you all just want to run through each of the lists and then talk about it, um, or go or just discuss? Um, each one as we talk about it i think uh i mean we probably should have checked this beforehand but i think our list will probably overlap every now so if there's like a film that we both we all mutually like had or just love okay you know maybe talk about it very briefly together okay okay yeah it's um, like us like uh we like uh run it down like our top five we say mm-hmm. okay uh like chase you're number five josh you're five my five Okay. And just like so we'll go that way. Okay, so we'll go bottom up. Okay. okay. Yeah, I'd like that. I like that. Go bottom up. Okay, so for me, uh, I did best six. Okay. So okay. I wanted to be a little different. Uh, oh, I wanted to be a little nice. little different, you know. Um, okay, so number six, I have Mank, uh, which was the Gary Oldman film, film we discussed, David Fincher. Um, it's on Netflix right now. You can see it. Uh, you know, basically, it's a film for film supremacists. Uh, you know what I mean? If you want to reign superior, all, all the peons, um, yeah. all the subhuman uh, film goers, um, you know, and, and, and you want to you want to impress knowledge. the hipster chick at the bar with your knowledge of film. Bang. Yeah, yeah, when the bars open, and up. Hank is the movie to watch. <laughs> yeah, you know, and your and your fedora and scarf. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. no, it's a beret and scarf now. Beret <laughs> and scarf. You know yeah, yeah, we, ch- yeah, we, ch- yeah, we changed that uh, to we changed that after promising young woman. It's a beret now. <laughs> yeah, beret and scarf. Yeah. Um. So yeah, very solid film. Very very good. Great performances all around. Uh, throwback film, old Hollywood, that type of style. Uh, you know, very wonderfully directed. Um, more like will be up for a lot of Oscars. This is yeah. perfect film that critics eat up and love so in a movie we reviewed on the uh on our page so you can all check it out and hear our thoughts on that um chase uh so for my number five i have a movie that we did not review that came out very early on during the pandemic. palm springs uh, it's on hulu um uh, and it is just an unexpected ride is all I'm gonna say, I feel like it's one of those movies you just gotta go into not knowing. How to act. It's just yeah, that's that movie, way. That, yeah, that yeah, that's a movie that's uh, very high on my list as well. Uh, I went into it cold. Yeah, old, and that is the best way to watch it. Yeah, that easily because like I just remember like watching the Philip DeFranco show, and he was just randomly plugging it, and I was just like, oh, I'll check it out. Why not? You know. Mm. Um. I had nothing better to do that day. Uh, yeah, I, I still love it. It's it's still up there for me for this year. All right. All right. 
Uh, Nick? Right, are we doing like top five or top six? Because Josh, you kind of messed that up. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, uh, since you did, I mean, you all did top five, so just go from your, you know, five up. Or if you want to bring in your honorable mention as just your let six, him feel then, special. <laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, my top six. Thank you, Josh, because now I get to talk about this. Is scare me. Okay. Uh, it's a Shutter original starring uh, Josh Rubin of uh, College Humor fame and Aya Cash from. Uh, uh, you're the worst in the boys this movie is is a bare bones low budget master class of working with with very limited resources and i believe like acting students they should watch this movie as far as like uh uh getting into character as far as like uh improving playing off of uh, your scene partner and the more i watched it the more i thought about what it's saying about modern gender politics and showing up like that fragility of like a white male ego without ever getting into a patronizing level yeah mm. and i think uh like the more i watched it thought about it the more i liked it i definitely want to retract the seven that i gave it i feel like it deserves at least an eight <laughs> yeah um, I, and yeah Talking about this, I feel like I gave it a seven. I'm uh, retraction. I gotta give that a nine now. Uh, yeah, I might give it a nine because it's. I mean, I I really recommend just like if you're just into storytelling, watch mm -hmm. this. It's that good. It, it's it's a it's and and it's it's also dropping a lot of truth about uh, yeah. uh, what it takes to be a good writer. It's like yeah, every now and then because uh, Josh Ruman's thing is like. Yeah, I think I can just like uh, write and watch movies and stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's how you become a regurgitative hack. It's like yeah. good writers write down ideas. Good writers read a lot. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're if you're a writer, if you're an actor, honestly, if you just want to see like sort of like some gems or some secrets behind like what, it, what storytelling is at its core, watch this movie. Um, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Yeah. Um, okay, so for me, uh, my fifth film here is Sound of Metal. Uh, another film we reviewed uh, on a page that you all can check out, starring Riz Ahmed. Uh, very nice story uh, about a drummer uh, from a metal band who's progressively going deaf. Uh, very, very nice performance. Very, uh, you know, uh, good story uh, involving... Uh, deaf community uh you know what that feeling is like um acceptance uh as well as you know trying to find a new purpose in life trying to find happiness you know uh when tragic situations happen doesn't always have to be tragic doesn't always have to be perceived as that um so very very good story uh very well done this is on amazon prime that you all can check it out um, you know, really good performance from Olivia Cook. Another situation where it was a very well-written female character, love interest mm -hmm. character, like we talked about with Amanda and Cobra Kai. Another yeah, a, great a, less, here with a lesser uh, movie would have made her like a an enabler. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, very very good film. Enjoyed it a lot. Uh, Chase, what's your fifth film? Uh, so for me, I got uh, Loop in the Third. First. I know technically that it came out last year, but you know, technically it didn't at the same time. It came and out. It released in the States in 2020. Yeah. So, for so me, that counts. 
it's a 2020 film. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I had a lot of fun with it. I mean, like being the residential weave here, um, I had to put some, I had to put something. Um, <laughs> and Lupin was just like a fun, just return to form for that whole entire franchise. Like brought me back to my childhood nostalgia. We actually reviewed it earlier if you want um, our full thoughts. I think we reviewed it last week, right? Yes. Um, yeah, wow. Bless. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just, if you're not already an anime fan, I definitely recommend it because it's sort of like, a, I compare it to like, you know, uh, Indiana Jones and but like kind of like a, a little bit zanier or a little bit yeah, more it, comedic. It, yeah, it's a, it's a very like a good uh, like first step into anime. Yeah. Like yeah. I feel like the like the unique style it has and the sense of humor and how zany it is. That's like a good uh, gateway into anime for your non weeb friends. Yeah. And the animation style is gorgeous, dude. It's mm. like. Yeah, and very different for Japan. It's like, yeah. uh, I feel like that's kind of like opened the door for CG animation in uh, Japan because uh, for a while they were like strictly hand drawn and Lupin the Third opened up the doors because Ghibli, yeah. their next movie is CG. Okay. I have to check that out. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Nick? How about you? Okay, uh, my number five is a movie we reviewed on this show Promising Young Woman. Okay. Uh, again, razor sharp script with amazing performances for Emerald Fennel's uh, feature debut. It's a lot of biting social commentary about like how um, how society itself perceives uh, the culture around uh, sexual assault and how to like deal with trauma. And I honestly think it's a movie that most people need to see. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, and then my fourth film here um, is His House. Uh, His House mm. uh, was the film we also reviewed on this channel. Um, you know, really like really like what I'm seeing um, from a lot of Black creators uh, doing horror films um, and getting to tell different um, social perspectives um, in horror. Um, and that's, you know, like horror being the genre, and that's what kind of what genre films do, you know, horror, sci-fi, you know, they tell a lot about, you know, it's a perfect venue to, to talk about a lot of social conscious issues um, and things like that. So in his house, you know, telling the story about these refugees uh, coming to London and getting in this house and, you know, kind of the horrors they experience, uh, you know, being in this house was very very interesting um you can see it on netflix um and i would highly recommend checking it out um definitely uh haven't heard really a whole lot of people talking about it, a whole lot of people mentioning it. uh mm. definitely worth it um and and definitely worth uh to to basically see and to really experience a very very good horror movie yeah my uh, favorite and uh Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I feel like that's one of the best horror movies of the year, and it's just so uh, like different to see how uh, these two refugees, th all this supernatural stuff is happening around them. And it's like, motherfucker, well, y'all ate shit compared to what we just came from. <laughs> <laughs> and I love like the fact that it's uh, 
not only are they not only is it an African story, but it's like African behind mm -hmm. supernatural. Don't normally well, there's not too much that I've seen, unfortunately, African that is kind of being explored. Um, yeah, a lot of yeah. yeah. It's like one of it's. I think it's the only example I can think of where uh, they're pulling from like that culture's folklore uh, for horror, at least um, in a Western production. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that's interesting. You know, they bring in that type of lore and to see it explored on a big venue, on a big platform like Netflix. And it's, you know, like having these different streaming services, it allows these type of different stories to be told and to be brought out. You know what I mean? Something that you wouldn't probably normally see. So that I think that's the benefit of having something like a Netflix or a Hulu or Amazon Prime or uh, HBO Max or things like that. Um, so, uh, Chase, what's your fourth film? Uh, so. I got Scare Me, uh, which, yeah, <laughs> you know, great. Uh, uh, the sound design for it was, uh, I know we didn't really talk much about that. Um, you know, acting is great. And Cash is phenomenal. Uh, but yeah. Scare okay. Me. <laughs> All right. Uh, Nick? Okay, uh, my number four is Spike Lee's Defy Bloods. Mm. Uh, just masterclass performances from Delroy Lindo and Chadwick Boseman, along with like this really beautifully told story about uh, of the treatment of black veterans in the military and of uh, PTSD. And it, it makes one of Spike Lee's best films in, in years. I put this right up there with uh, Black Klansman. I didn't as even... As far as, I, uh, like, my favorite Spike Lee. I thought this came out in 2019. <laughs> I didn't yeah, even, no, I didn't even consider bad. it. Yeah. That and, um... What was it? I was watching, uh... What's his name? Moist critical and he was doing his favorite movies of the year and like one of his favorite movies was 1917 which apparently dropped in 2020 and not last year yeah it's <laughs> it's tech it's technically a 2020 film yeah because it like released uh it did its wide release in 2020 last year was so long i don't even oh god because <laughs> all of his picks were like from the early like january invisible man uh, mm. uh whatnot and i'm just like did these movies come out this year <laughs> <laughs> yeah it took me a while to draft up my list because i had to like double and triple check that it actually came out in 2020. Mm. Mm. All right yeah and since um, i didn't have a six i'm gonna put the five blood <laughs> all right um all right so like, uh oh you go ahead I was just saying, I was just like going through my head, just like, all right, since Josh up the ante, now I got to find a sixth movie. Is it going to be Lover, Mo Loving Monsters? Is it going to be Enola Holmes? But I can't just say that randomly now because it's too far deep into the list. <laughs> and, ne and neither of those movies are better than what I named earlier. <laughs> but I'm just going to steal the five bloods. <laughs> all right. Um,. Okay, so moving on from that, we're going to do number three. For me, number three is Borat 2. 
Mm. Um, definitely, uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's hard to follow up um, a phenomenon that was the first Borat, uh, a movie that came out uh, basically like what, 15 years ago, uh, and to see it come back, um, still really funny. Um, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen still does a very good job with the character. Um, really a lot of really good jokes here, really hard hitting, really a lot of good segments. Um, you know, of course, everybody knows the infamous Rudy Giuliani scene at this point. Um, and <laughs> that Rudy you know, tucking his shirt scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the, you know, the, the actress who played his uh, daughter in this, I mean, she's the one thing that really makes this feel, you know, something that's not just a copy of the first film again. You know, I mean, their chemistry is, is great. Their comedic banter is great. Um, you know, them just back and forth. Uh, Maria Balkova. You know she's really really funny in this really well done um and you know i enjoyed a lot of things you know definitely one of the funniest movies i've seen this year um and definitely definitely something that i think most people probably have already checked out you can watch it on amazon prime mm -hmm. um if you haven't um i highly recommend it very very funny film yeah uh, very very timely comment yeah <laughs> yeah and we we reviewed it on the channel uh if you want to check out our complete thoughts on it and every uh about it we also reviewed it on the channel as well um yeah chase uh so five bloods is gonna be my number three <laughs> like it's in my opinion it's one of spike's best uh, and one of chadwick's best performances i do have Another movie I do kind of topped himself on. Um, I'll up later. <laughs> and wink, wink. <laughs> so, mm. I'm going to pass on to Nick. Uh, my number three is Lee Wan L's The Invisible Man. Mm. Uh, as, yeah, as uh, I feel like uh, his follow up to Upgrade, it's one of the most uh, uh, creative monster movies that's. Perfectly updating uh, a universe, classic Universal and bringing up uh, topics that are relevant today. He updated it perfectly along with just an amazing performance by uh, Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, yeah, very well done film. Did we review that? No, no, we didn't review that. No, nah, that came was... out uh, too early. That was before yeah, I yeah. joined the show. No, that was yeah, before yeah. we even started the show. <laughs> uh, yeah. That came all the way in February, right? February, uh, yeah. Uh, that came out pre-corona. That was like that was like one of the first uh, the first wave of movies that were like dropping like day and date with theaters. Mm -hmm. It was like one of the first ones that was available for twenty bucks to rent on on iTunes when uh, the pandemic hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I I just never got around to seeing it. I don't know what happened. Yeah, I highly re <laughs> I highly recommend it. Uh, it, it, it's mm. it's really done it's really great at uh at building tension because uh, it's a lot of just panning around the camera and you know something is there it's essentially like an updated entertaining version of like paranormal activity or something like that okay yeah yeah check it out yeah so it's a solid horror film very very good very well done. Uh, it's available on uh hbo max uh to watch okay. it's also available on uh, like itunes or amazon to purchase thanks josh <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh 
Um, all right. I'm gonna check so, that out. Yeah. Um, all right. So number two for me would be Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, um, mm. film we just recently reviewed, um, and you know it being a kind of like this play brought to the screen. Um, you know, very great performance. So it's more character focused, more actor focused. Um, and I think wonderful performances from Chadwick Boseman, the range of emotion that he shows yeah. uh, throughout the entire film is very, very impressive. Viola Davis, um, you know, amazing performance from her as well. Um, and you also see, um, you know, music industry, uh, you know, especially what it's like during this time because it's set in the 40s, correct? Set in the mm. 40s. No, it's set in the 20s. 20s, yeah, yeah. 20s. The 20s, all in the 20s and jazz. There's a lot of movie with black people in jazz this year. You know what I mean? Like like Sylvia's yeah. Love, Ma Rain's Black Bottom, Soul. There's a lot of movies with black people in jazz uh, yeah. this year. Um, yeah. Um, and to, to to see this movie, you know, about, you know, Valdez playing this real life figure of Ma Raimi. Um, uh, you know, very, very well done. Very, you know, interesting look at, you know, you know what happens you know black people inside the music industry and how they create this sound and popularize the sound and how it kind of gets co-opted and, and you know stolen basically and um very very good movie uh you can watch it on netflix um and not only good performances from just everybody all around in the cast um as well so yeah, yeah that's and my just the way like they handle the conflict um movies and just so entertaining to watch that like shift in power dynamic throughout the whole movie yeah and because every character i yeah i want to say damn near every character in this movie it's like a monologue showing off Mm. philosophy it's how Mm. they approach life it's very rare that you get a movie where you get to hear every character philosophy on how they approach each situation and why exactly this is a movie where i truly feel like there are no small parts every character gets uh, gets an opportunity to shine yeah yeah so, uh chase uh so my one and two are kind of interchangeable but soul is my current number two um just for the just so we can talk about something different real quick <laughs> um but it's also in the vein of the black jazz uh trifecta that came out this year well not all of, not 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 all of the black jazz movies were great but you know this one was <laughs> um this was like one of the few movies this year that really made me like rethink life and stuff like really you know my we really like reminding myself to like all right like you do only get one shot at this thing called life <laughs> so try to make it work um and to get that from a pixar film is you know it's 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 rare like pixar does have those hits where like for me at least inside out i still haven't seen coco but you know like they can make damn near anything to feel emotional and they can make it cry for literally anything like they could literally turn dust into like an emotional character that you're invested in cry for um but in this movie soul it's just like it's the journey that my man uh, i can't remember his name joe right 
Yep. Yeah, yeah just, the, there. just the journey that he goes through, the lessons that he learns that, you know, applicable to real life. <laughs> um, and how you really think about life. Uh, and just like the pressure that, you know, we kind of put on ourselves throughout life to kind of have this sort of, you know, dream or like aspiration that doesn't really, you know, equate to happiness. I, I love that. And I love, love everything about that. Mm. 10 out of 10. Okay. I do yeah. change my score. <laughs> okay. Uh, Nick? Uh, my number two is uh, a movie I think we talked about earlier. It's uh, Palm Springs. Mm. Uh, I think it's one of, I think it's the best SNL movie because I think it's technically <laughs> uh, uh, produced by Lauren Michaels still. Mm. And this is like one of the more inventive uh, time loop movies that's really philosophical when talking about like the nature of nihilism and uh, and existentialism, along with just great performances. I think uh, the best performance by uh, Andy Samberg and uh, Kristen Milioti, aka uh, the other from uh, How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, and it's just so funny and small. Everybody in this movie is great. It's they play with the time loop, and yeah. it has one of the most emotional climaxes I've I've seen this year. Yeah, uh, I I wish more people would watch it. It's like mm. it's available on Hulu. It's yeah. so good to see. But yeah, watch the goddamn movie, please. It's so goddamn good. <laughs> it, it's yeah. it's one of the rare ten out of ten films for me this year. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it does. It's, it's not many times that that um, it is technically a comedy. It's a dark comedy, right? It's a it's a very dark comedy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it is one of the few movies that like both made mm -hmm. me laugh and same with Soul. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So to go into my number one, I'm gonna do a quick honorable mentions real quick. Uh top God. three honorable <laughs> mentions. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh so for me, um I have a three of uh, my number third honorable mention is a tie between Fresh Prince Reunion special uh that you can see on HBO Max. Uh I thought that was really well done. Uh, brought back some really great memories of the show um really great stories they told um uh, we reviewed it for the channel i think we gave we all gave it 10 out of 10. very very well done uh really loved it a lot uh very emotional as well um finally got to the bottom of some things that you know we've all been wondering um so that was really really great to see you know this cast reunite after 30 years that was really cool um also got palm string uh, palm springs in there as well um uh, tied with it uh like everybody's been saying really good movie very funny um nice dark humor in it um nice concepts in it um and you know i think it, it'd probably be best going in cold uh not knowing much about it um but what they do with it um isn't just typical stories they typically do with these type of movies um you'll know what i'm talking about when you see it i think they add a nice their nice spin and twist to it that works very well um, also, nice good um, side performance from J.K. Simmons, um, who, who did a very, very good job. J.K. Simmons, who is yeah. always a win. Yeah, very, very good as well. <laughs> I, uh, I forgot he was even in the movie, and his role is perfect. His role is phenomenal. 
You could see, you could see him channeling a Terrence Fletcher a lot. <laughs> yes. It was like it the natural, so. the natural next step for uh, his character from Whiplash. Yeah. <laughs> if you had told me that they were in the same universe and that was just Fletcher, I would believe. <laughs> I really would. Yeah. Um, moving on to my number second one, we have On the Record. Uh, on the Record was a documentary film that was on HBO Max. It was detailing uh, the sexual assault allegations against Russell Simmons. Um, very, very good documentary um, following this woman, uh, Drew Dixon, a woman who um, had this huge impact uh, on hip hop. Uh, you know, like she's telling all these different stories um, of how she grew up loving music. And she had this real talent for scene talent and and really an, an ear for music and, and knowing just what fits with what. Um, she you know, talks about the stories of like the song with Method Man and Mary J. Blige. Like she's the one who put them together. Like she's the person who put, um, it's like, so, you know, this, this, cause at first the song was introduced as like this interlude for the soundtrack. And she was like, no, this could be a song. And who should be on the song? You should get Mary J. Blige and you should get Method Man. They should be on the song together and they just fit. And it was, you know, of course that song was a huge hit. And she talked about how she closely worked with Lauren Hill on the Miseducation of Lauren Hill, mm. which won Best Album of the Year for the Grammys. She also talked about how she closely worked with Carlos Santana for his album that also won Best Album of the Year at the Grammys. Um, she talks about how, like, when she left the situation when she was at Def Jam with Russell Simmons, that she left and went to uh, work for uh, Clyde Davis. Um, and she said that was a good experience at first, but then L.A. Reid came on and then, you know, of course, L.A. Reid, um, he had a bunch of uh, sexual assault allegations against him as well. Um, and she talks about how, like, she was a person who first early on discovered Kanye West. Mm -hmm. uh, she was a person who, who tried to audition him for the, for the uh, label, um, but he was turned away. Um, and she also is a person who was first keen on seeing the talent in John Legend. Um, and uh, so she, I mean, she was this person who had this real great talent, you know, but she was just so burnt out from the business of, you know, going from one situation where she was being uh, sexually assaulted into another situation of another guy sexually harassing her. And so it's like, you know, she just kind of just gave up and just kind of quit the business. And it's, 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 you know, it's a real shame that, you know, and then they also bring in um, other women who also tell their stories and they also bring the element of talking about hip hop and hip hop culture and just music culture in general of how you know you know when it comes to talking about women and discussing women um and also these other women coming out and talking about you know how it's it's tougher sometimes for women of color to come out and talk about sexual assault just because it's like the the thing of like well are you going to put your race before this other thing so you know you doing this mm. and you're just going to tear a good black man down you know how little you know that is you know what i mean and, and trying to make him a part of the system a system that we know you know the criminal justice system that you know likes to target uh uh, uh black people and and so are you going to be a part of that same system so it's this kind of this real tug of war uh black women have of you know doing you know something that's right and then um also trying to like be somebody you know who's for the culture you know what i mean and russell simmons being this guy who is considered the godfather of hip-hop and you know was this hugely influential figure in hip-hop and all he did and you know it's like you know you trying to tear him down and ruin his image you know what i mean it's like no he fucked up you know he you know he's the one that that fucked up not me you know so a uh, very very good documentary very i think very great uh watch as well What's it called uh, again? And, uh on the record 
Um, it's on HBO Max uh, on the record. Uh, and my number one honorable mention is Promising Young Woman, a movie we talked about today. Uh, like Nick said, you know, very sharp script, uh, very relevant as we you know talked about with on the record of discussing sexual assault, um, discussing you know that whole culture um, around that, and 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 you know uh, just that whole you know the era we're in now of of, of trying to understand. Um, that and, and everything like that. So that you know is a movie that very, that really details that and looks at it very sharply. I think very very well done. Um, and so going to my number one movie over the year, um, it's Soul. Um, very amazing movie, beautiful looking movie. Another movie where black man's playing jazz. Uh, you know what I mean? Very very well done. The humor works really well. Um, I think this is one of the best films Pixar has done in a while. Um, I haven't seen Coco. Um, I plan on seeing that pretty soon. But um, I wasn't that big on Inside Out. Um, so, so this one for me was was very, very well done, very well, um, you know, very worked out. Um, and I just I loved every minute of it. Really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, Chase. Uh, so my number one is oh, I give honorable mentions. Um, Loving oh, Monsters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, please. Nola Holmes. Uh, I think that I enjoyed here. So you're just trying to make up honorable mentions on the spot because I had honorable mentions. Yeah, you kind of set a standard here being the host. Like, now we got to <laughs> like, like, gotta, gotta, like, how many honorable mentions did you even set? You, you did like 20 of them. <laughs> no, I didn't do 20. <laughs> you did, you did literally every. You did literally every no, great movie three, that came out this no, year. No, you did three honorable <laughs> mentions. He stuck to three. Oh, we prepared for the show. Yeah, Chase. I don't remember honorable <laughs> mentions being on the list, but okay. Um, <laughs> so my two are Loving Monsters, because it's just a fun time. Um, you get to see monsters sometimes that are... I'd say the CGI is not the greatest thing I've ever seen in the world, but it's still like a fun time. And the CGI is kind of like a... Like the monsters themselves are very creative looking. Um, mm. And the journey between this boy and his dog is one of the most endearing journeys I've seen in a minute. Um, mm. And the lesson that he learns along the way is also another, like, just added, like, cherry on top because, you know, not everything gets solved by power of love. <laughs> And yeah, it's another it's another movie about a guy earning the power of self-respect. Yeah, yeah. Um, but and with Enola, another one where it's just like another very endearing journey where um, it's very much like how do I say it? It's, it's a movie like, that could have gone. It's a movie that could have gone wrong on yeah, so many levels. It could have been so cringy. Still <laughs> And it was just so endearing to see Enola go through this journey and apply what she's learned from her mom, apply what she's learned, like learned throughout the journey, um, but also not in a Mary Sue way where she's just getting it like Ray does on the first try. She's like struggling throughout the film just to figure things out. And like, I think she's a very, very good character. And I'm actually kind of like, I, at first I was kind of like, uh, I don't know if I really want to see a franchise with this character, but mm -hmm. now I'm down, I'm on board. <laughs> um, It was a fun time to watch. Uh, one, 
Bob Ramini's Black Bottom. Uh, this is, in my opinion, this is the film that deserves all the. <laughs> I don't think I could name a really a, a film that like uh, carried such strong performances. There was such a tight script. Um, and if you're like a fan of like plays or like if you're a fan of like fences, you would love this film. Um, and I'm and I'm referencing uh, the, the fences that was uh, done by uh, Denzel. That I, I'm pretty sure Denzel produced this, right? Yeah, he okay. did. He yeah. This is an adaptation of another uh, August Wilson play, which also wrote the original uh, stage production of Fences. Mm. And it's like it's only thirty. It's only an hour and thirty minutes, right? Mm. Hour forty. Yeah, it, it, it's an hour forty. It's a very tight, lean. Yeah. Movie. yeah yeah and like even though it's very like small scale like there's only like maybe like i want to say maybe like three locations throughout the whole film yeah, right there's, there's, <laughs> three, there's three maybe four locations yeah and the costume design is perfect like it has everything that i that i that i wanted to see in sylvie's love i hate to bring it up in this light but it's just a contrast you know what i'm saying because like it has everything that i wanted to see in sylvia's love with just like how they do the music how they incorporate um the costume design and how they deal with race in the sense that it's not so much so like yes there is there is still like trauma but it's unpacking that trauma and and figuring out figuring out how to deal with it that I found very beautiful in this film. Um, mm. And yeah, it's it's definitely my movie of the year. I'll watch it again <laughs> sooner or later. All right. I'm probably gonna be going back to it. All right. What's your number one? What's your honorable mentions? What's your five honorable mentions, Nick? Okay, my three honorable mentions. <laughs> Uh, my uh, third honorable mention is going to be uh, Birds of Prey. Mm. I feel like this is probably one of the best DC movies. Uh, and it, it's finally uh, Warner Brothers and DC stepping out of their comfort zone, creating what is essentially their version of Deadpool with Harley Quinn. And I just love the performances in this movie. I love how alive Gotham is in this. And also, Ewan McGregor chewing up scenery as uh, this universe's take on black mask is so entertaining to watch i uh, didn't know that came out this year <laughs> when did that even um, come out I, like that that was early this year that was like what that was uh that was another one that uh, dropped on vod early because of the pandemic um my number two honorable mention is going to be extraction um one of the best action movies I've seen this year. Uh, definitely some inventive choreography and what and the best, I think, simulated single take action sequence I've seen since like Daredevil, and a rare uh, uh, performance from Chris Hemsworth that's uh, showing a side of him we don't get to see a lot outside of Thor. And my number one honorable is going to be the gentleman. For me, that's a return to form for Guy Ritchie. That's like uh, him going back to his like uh, small scale uh, gangster film roots. And it's so fun to watch this. And so many great performances from uh, like Hugh Grant, Colin Farrell. 
I love uh, the chemistry between uh, him and um, Hugh Grant and uh, Charlie Hunnam and their scenes together. And Matthew McConaughey, always great. <laughs> and my number one movie of 2020 is Soul. Uh, what can I say about this that hasn't already been said? It's just a beautifully told story about a guy essentially discovering the meaning of life. And and for uh, Pixar's first uh, black-led movie, this is doing what so many uh, animated films that have a black lead do, don't do, and never forget to have his culture at the forefront. Mm. Even when a switch happens they're still bringing up yeah this is my culture this is who i am mm-hmm. this is how you this is how you head to the barbershop like how <laughs> <laughs> that whole barbershop scene in in itself is just... <laughs> amazing yes it, it's, it's just it, you should watch it just for that if you've never been to a black barbershop you'll get a good <laughs> idea of what's going what goes on yeah, there's right. just everyone hanging out, <laughs> talking. There's Tribe Called Quest in the background. Yeah. There's a bootleg movie on the TV, and there's always yep. that empty. There's always that empty chair. Yep, where you don't go to that barber. Trust me, there's a reason why it's empty. Mm. Oh my gosh, you always got to go to the dudes that are that are, that are like booked with appointments, because <laughs> those guys can actually cut your hair. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, a movie that, that made me cry the first time I watched it and has made me cry every time I revisited it since. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Very, very great film. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Um, there was really no big news uh, came out uh, except for just MF Doom uh, passing. Um, so rest in power to him. Uh, legend uh, in the hip hop scene. Um, you know, and one of the best rappers, uh, you know, was definitely one of the best rappers out there. If anybody wants to check him out, uh, recommend Um Food, um, yeah. uh, from him. That's a very great album. Um, Doomsday. Dooms, Operation Doomsday is very good. Mad Bentley, uh, with Mad Lib. Uh, that's also, I think, maybe one of his best projects ever i think universally um food and mad bentley are usually considered like one of his top projects that most people universally love um he also did a project just recently like a couple of years ago called uh scarface a uh, star face meets metal face um which was still solid i thought it was pretty good wasn't didn't blow me away particularly but i thought it was still very very good nice rhythm uh nice beats nice bars very solid uh, project. So if anybody you know was hearing about this, his past and goes, well, who is this guy? Uh, why do people care so much? Uh, very great MC, um, you know, who came out with a lot of really great projects. Really good at sampling, uh, yeah. adding all this stuff. You know, his persona being, you know, MF Doom, you know, Doctor uh, Doom from the Marvel comics. So he would insert a lot of you know, stuff from the Marvel cartoons and everything like that. A lot of beats and the beats and things like that, which was very very dope. Um, and everything like that. You know, a dream project I always had for him would have been to score or at least just have some songs on Fantastic Four movie, but a good one. <laughs> well, I, I mean, a Fantastic Four movie's coming up, so yeah, yeah. So maybe yeah, it'll get to be on the soundtrack and everything like that. Yeah, maybe something like Could that. Could you imagine, maybe. dude, just like having Doom's voice rapping over as Doctor Doom's writing, taking? Oh over. yeah. Oh my God, dude. That's that. that yeah. 
yeah. I know for him, uh, but also just everybody that loved him. Yeah. Um, if everybody was like a good song, Deep Fried Friends, um, that's like a good one when he samples uh, Houdini's Friends. That's a really dope <laughs> one. Uh, All Caps. Uh, that's another really great song if you want to get a, a taste of you know his style and what he did all caps is also really great um so yeah very very talented mc yeah he died two months ago and then just now his yeah. wife uh just now told people so he died like uh in october uh which so, yeah, is honestly the most doomed thing to do you know yeah to, like <laughs> have passed away months ago and then just now you know, uncovered you know? <laughs> yeah i mean that's just but, yeah it's crazy that's kind of just how he lived, you know. He's always been like a, like a, a mystery, you know. Like he's, he was, yeah. one, I feel like he's one of the few like celebrities that still kind of maintain that order, that sort of mystique, that mm. you know that they have around them. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, kind of like still had that underground feel, even though he yeah. was. You know, gaining in popularity, and a lot of people, some more and more people, still knew him. He still had that, you know, uh, uh, underground type feel about him. You know, uh, and you know, uh, MF is you know, Metal Face. You know, Metal Face Doom. So, uh, really, really, yeah, really sad news to, to really hear about that. Um, yeah, just kind of, you know, yeah, had to t just end off the year. You know what I mean? Shitty. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, all right, let's here people um so um if you want to check us out uh where we are everywhere you can find podcasts spotify uh apple Podcasts, anchor uh all that stuff like that uh we're also of course on youtube um if you want to send us an email we're at theafternoontune at gmail.com um if you want to contact us also on social media we're on instagram the afternoon tune twitter the afternoon tune facebook uh the afternoon tune just everything the afternoon tune you'll be able to find us uh chase uh, where you want people to find you? Find me at Mr. Chase Mac. Uh, that's spelled M R C H A Y S E C. Twitch, Twitter, or Instagram. Uh, can I find you, Nick? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Night and Day Nick. That's uh, N I G H T, the letter N D A Y Nick. All right. Uh, so, to all you people out there listening to this, hope you enjoyed listening to this uh hope you enjoyed seeing us uh live you know well not live but you know pre-recorded you know but i uh, hope you enjoyed person. that yeah in person see our faces and nick's dog yeah <laughs> yeah you know, uh nick's dog there uh you can also check out the nick you want to pump the dog's instagram because he's got yeah instagram. you yeah. got to you got to B U B uh, period B L E S zero nine twenty two. That's uh, yeah. you can follow Bubbles. Yeah, you can follow the dog on Instagram if you want to. You know what I mean. Don't know if the dog's gonna follow back, but you know who knows. Uh, Gotta keep that so, follow ratio just tight. Um. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I uh, hope you all enjoyed your New Year's, enjoyed your holidays, uh, made some good resolutions, all that fun stuff. Fuck so, 2020. <laughs> hope here's to a great 2021. Um, our first podcast, 2021. Uh, hope to still be doing this throughout 2021. Uh, bring content to you all. Hopefully, evolve, change, get better, uh, all that great stuff. So, to all you people out there listening to this, whenever you're listening to this, don't forget to always. Hey, we're gonna get it one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> It'll happen eventually.